0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. Great to have you with us once again. Hope you're all healthy and safe. Mike Pomeranz, Mark Sweeney with you as always. You know, Mark, we hear this term uh, professional hitter around baseball a lot. Well, our, our guest today is exactly that. He was steady, productive through an 11 year career, he won a batting title and became a hero in Boston, and he's a good friend of yours as as well. I'm really glad that Bill Miller's with us.
1: Yeah, Mike, you know what? Uh, There's a lot of uh, reason to to say about Bill Miller that he was kind of an unsung hero. And why I say that is that he wasn't the prototypical big-bodied third baseman that was going to hit home runs for you. He was going to play great defense, but exactly that. Um, He played great defense, and kind of just grinded his whole career out. But it was everything about what his teammates were. And to me, if you're thinking about Bill Miller, it's about the unselfish career that he had. But when you dive into what he did, uh, this was the glue of all the clubs that he was on. And uh, I can't wait to hear his stories because he was known as a guy that did very well against Mariano Rivera. And there's not many guys. That's a short list. And I can't wait to hear what he has to say.
0: Bill, we really do appreciate the time. And we want to start with your signature moment, which everybody in Boston, I'm sure listening to this will agree, was 2004 in the American League Championship Series. Your Red Sox trailing the Yankees in the series, three games to none Bottom of the ninth inning, you're down by a run in game four, and Mariano Rivera's on the mound, and Kevin Millar leads off with a walk. Dave Roberts goes in to pinch hit. He steals second base. You're there at the plate. This is your moment. But before all of this ignites, walk us through what was going through your mind in the dugout, leading into that frame.
2: Well, anytime that you're going up against you know, Mariano, it's, it's a disaster because, you know, you're in deep trouble. Um, he is a, you know, Hall of Fame pitcher, um, something that you walk up to the plate and hope you can survive, not like you're going to dominate or, you know, um, overwhelm anybody with. So, you know, at that moment, it's kind of like, um, you try and keep things as simple as possible. One, because the emotional time and two, because of his strengths are better than your strengths. And so I just tried to simplify that moment as, as best I can. What you try and do is tie your confidence into something that you um, uh, that allows you to cut the emotion so that you cut out all that gray area. You can be let your natural kind of physical ability takeover, And, you know, sometimes that's like thinking in small terms of, Hey, I got to get my hands to the top of my hip, or I got to get my foot down, or, um, I got to keep my, my, my hands in a relationship or firm to the grip of the bat, something, you know, everybody has a different quirk. And so that's all I tried to do at that moment, leading up to that, you know, time of getting in the box was, you know, what is my job going to be How can I simplify this to perform the task and be successful at that task? And sometimes being an out, you know, it gets the, gets the job done. And um, once I saw that Mariano was having such a dang time throwing to um, Malar, and I knew Roberts would come in right away, that uh, my job was either take pitches so that Roberts can steal and you know, amazing how Roberts is, he went, you know, first pitch and that's just how good he is because the whole crowd knew that he was going to be stealing the base. And that's another aspect in itself is, Hey, these guys could pitch out, you know, first two pitches even. And because of his ability and the, and the history that goes back to Mari Wills back in the Dodger day, when he told Dave, Hey, one of these times and, or many times in your career, you're going to have to steal a base when everyone knows you're going to have to steal this base, And then the biggest moment uh, he was prepared and ready for that. And that is an incredible feat for him. And then on, on with me, you know, I was just, uh, I've always been kind of an unselfish guy. So it was easy for me to be in tougher counts or to take pitches and to be in those situations. And so I was going to do whatever it took to get him to second base, whether it was, you know, run him over if that's what they asked me to do or take pitches for him to get to second base. And, and once he did steal on that first pitch, then my job was either get him over, get him in or get him over, or, you know, put that ball in play and be good at bat. And again, simplify it and not try and do something that's out of my character, like drive the ball over the wall or shoot for the gap or, you know, something, you know, that's not me, you know, again, simplify a 47 hopper up the middle, Charlie Brown, you know, it goes through Mariano's legs, gets the job done. And, and the, the two infielders collide, you know, and uh, you know, they didn't, but uh, you know, it worked. So, you know, just trying to put the ball in play.
1: Billy, I want to try to dive into uh, your manager, Terry Francona. And why I think this is important is that you, you made a good point. It's you're a contact hitter. You're not looking to power the ball. Uh, I think ideally anyone would love to hit a two-run homer off Mariano Rivera, but sometimes that's very difficult. But your manager had the confidence in yourself as a contact hitter to do the right thing because you got to move that runner once Dave gets to second base. You have to move the runner at least. So whether it's bunting, whether it's uh, moving and pulling on the right side, he had the confidence in you against Rivera in that situation to swing the bat. What did was there was there communication between the two of you, or was it just hey, I trust him because of what he has done
2: the body of work all year long? Yeah, Tito was super good at understanding uh, always what was in the lineup that night. His communication with us all the time was great. You know that you talk about a player's manager. He's the guy that goes around, talks to you, a lot of communication. So throughout the entire season, he knew uh, a lot of us, our our heartbeat, um, what we stood for, what you're going to get. And he knew the unselfishness and kind of the, I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, you know, there was times where I was like, I don't even want a day off, you know, like he wanted to, to rest. So he knew that Uh, a lot of us in that lineup and a lot of us on that team, you know, really all of us were about winning, winning on a nightly basis. And, and uh, so I think that's, and that's also good too, when he, he kind of allows you to play it out and you don't need in uh, that direction Uh, that gives you confidence too. And um, you know, and and that kind of doubles the fact that I wanted to do well or do the right thing for the team. And, and again, when you had the right intentions, and my intentions were to get him over um, and be positive. Again, because to to think too too big on Mariano, it's just it's it's too hard. He's just that good. So um, my, my you know, it's like my right. My the intentions were great, so it it ended up being uh, a positive.
1: You know what, Billy? Um, I I think that for our listeners, a a lot of people are going to understand that you're kind of an unassuming guy. Uh, In a big moment, it it was about doing your job. It was about getting it done. Um, You knock in Dave Roberts. He slides across home plate. He gives you the fist pump, the emotion. The crowd goes crazy, obviously, because it's against Rivera. And there's a shot of you. At first base, and all you do is start chewing your gum and you give a nod to the to the bench because it's 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 just your job and you understand the levity of the moment. You guys are down already three games, as Mike alluded to. Uh, you just tied the game, but it's it's not a win. Um, it, what was your emotions like when you got to first base? What was your thought process in that? Uh, eventually, having David Ortiz win in the twelfth. But what was your uh, your feeling when you got to first base?
2: Well, I was always never. Um, I was always a guy that never wanted to drink the Kool Aid. Um, I never wanted to be an emotional player uh, because um, you know that took me out of again, taking me away from my natural ability of of you know performing. And I felt like the the more emotional I got in a game, uh, the less I would perform at at the ability or the thought process of what I thought I could be at. So that's why I never tried to show it or get involved. You know, once I got the first base, I was like, all right, I'm a base runner. You know, like how can I, how can I put, put our team up? You know, am I looking for a ball in the dirt here? You know, and again, it sounds quirky, but I tried to keep things as simple as possible in, in that regard. And, and I didn't try to expand too much out of that. And, um, I was just happy to be pretty simple and pretty vanilla and just do the the, the task at hand.
0: You know, Billy, I, I think a lot of uh, fans, media perhaps, romanticize what happened there. You win uh, game four in 12 innings. Then you reel off another seven straight. You win the championship. But in the moment, did it feel like it was a seminal moment, like the tide had turned uh, because that's the way it was written years ago and it was a team of destiny? Well, that's easy to say in hindsight, but in the moment – did you feel like it was going to
2: lead to the rip your team went on? Well, we, we had that mantra of uh, don't let us win tonight because after that game, then we were going in, that was going into the Berkey game and that's when the mantra kind of was starting to stir is uh, you know, if we win this one, um, our big boys are stacked up with uh, Martinez and uh, Schilling and everybody and, you know, that's kind of the, the feels it, anytime you can win, um, again, uh, in extra innings, it's kind of gives you just a, uh, an added boost. It's, it, and it's, and it works in the negative too. If you lose those, uh, the, your closer blows a safe, you know, it, it, it can have sometimes a residual or lasting effect on you too. So yeah, the mantra, once we, uh, got out of that was, you know, Um, anything can happen and, or, uh, don't let us win because our big boys are stacking up and we started to gain some momentum, um, as we always felt like we were a better team than we were in 03 and, and it sure didn't play out the first three games, but, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, our, our guys were really resilient and, and had short memories. They, they, uh, they were highly competitive and, and, uh, again, a lot to prove because we, we had a good measuring stick against the Yankees that were, uh, proven, proven winners and, and had won a lot in their history. Well,
1: Billy, you, you culminate that with, uh, those wins and it's the greatest comebacks, uh, in sports history, arguably. And I, I still believe that, um, you go to St. Louis, you're from Maryland Heights, Missouri. So you go to St. Louis for, uh, your first world series, uh, What was that like? Uh, Because obviously you're leaving a lot of tickets, but you're going back home and playing against a Cardinal team that you grew up watching and and idolizing, I'm sure. So what
2: was that like personally for you? Uh, It was, uh, I mean, it was really indescribable. It was, I was nervous. I was a wreck. Um, I barely even wanted to go to lunch with my mom and dad every day because I was just like, so trying to be focused um, I felt, I felt a little bit more weight on my shoulders than normal just because, you know, I was going back to my hometown where, when I was a little kid, you know, in 1982, um, I'm sitting in the nosebleeds game seven. My dad got an extra ticket. We lived across the street from a, <laughs> yeah. a sports caster. He's got an extra ticket. My mom says, go ahead, take Billy. And so here I'm up in the nosebleeds with dad. Uh, and the Cardinals win the the game seven against Milwaukee Brewers, and that's the last World Series really game or experience I've ever had. And then here I am again at Bush Stadium, 0-4 World Series, and there, my mom and dad are in the stands, and it was a, a, a tremendous thrill. I mean, growing up there because baseball's you know uh, uh, kind of the spine there in, in St. Louis because of uh, there wasn't a, a ton of sports, but um and their history of winning. So you know, we saw a lot of cardinal games and it was uh you know, it was in your blood. Bill, you win uh the World
1: Series in four games. Um you hit 321 over 400 on base percentage and why I say that is cuz you were nervous and you and you did that at the biggest stage. <laughs> you win the World Series and you get to celebrate with your team after pop and champagne and then they go on the duck boats and the celebration in Boston. What was
2: that experience like? Yeah, that was great. You know, seeing that on TV was amazing because unfortunately uh, while everybody uh, partied that night, I, I partied a little bit in the locker room, you know, called, called my wife. Uh, She had contractions going on um, in the Yankee series. So, I didn't know how that was all going to play out. Like if I, if she's going to go, and uh, you know I'm going to have to leave at some point, or red eye, what, what goes down? So as the moment happens, we win it. You know, after I get done hugging, uh, you know, people in the field, have some champagne. I jump in a cab, head to my house. And uh I might be the first World Series winner that uh, jumped in his own PJs in his own bed <laughs> uh, slept with his mom and dad's house again and woke up and by about eight in the morning i'm I'm arriving in Arizona I'm walking through the terminal looking on the TVs and I'm seeing our bird landing Logan people going crazy and then I you know the next day I'm watching. I'm watching the duck boats go down the thing at home, just hanging out. Yeah, so I miss it all. I'm uh I'm I, my mom packs me a lunch of my trip <laughs> getting out of there, you know? I'm like brown paper it, bag. I'm still in high school, you know? <laughs> <laughs> World Series winner. Broke the curse.
0: Living the life of a wild man like a rock star <laughs> yeah. that you are.
2: Yeah, right? That's right. Mr. Well, Vanilla
0: <laughs> and Billy, you know, with with the win, as you pointed out, you end an 86 year drought for that city. What do you remember the impact being on Boston?
2: Well, it's 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 kind of the impact happens um, years after it's it's like still happening where, you know, randomly I'll be somewhere and somebody will just say, hey, man, I just want to I just want to say thank you for four. And that's the kind of the resonation of that series and yeah at the time you know there's so many people that were saying that but um you're really feeling the effects you know 20 years later 15 years 10 years it it continues to to hit you at moments that you know it's far back in your memory and uh somebody will walk up and just say hey I love. I'd love to buy you a beer and, and say, you know, I just want to say thank you and and that's that's incredible because uh, it's still uh, that much, um, you know, on their on their skin or on the tip of their tongue to, to that feeling because you know, eighty six years. <laughs> a damn long time. <laughs> yeah, it sure is.
0: <laughs> you know, and you think about, too, the uh, fact that you grew up in the area of St. Louis and you know what it is to be a baseball town. I'm sure you appreciated the win for Boston even that much more. Uh, before 2004, this all starts for you. Quite an odyssey. You drafted in 93. Uh, take us back to your call-up in 1996 with the San Francisco Giants. It's a team that Dusty Bakerwood's managing. Uh, you have really, really talented guys on that team. Rich Aurelia, Matt Williams, Barry Bonds. On that club, but the call up itself—when you found out you were going to the big leagues—who told you, and who did you call right away?
2: Yeah, well, I'll I'll start with um, the very first memory of a call up for me, being in AAA, where it got really real. Was um, the day before Rich really got? Not the day before, but at, at a time in that season. In 96, Rich, really, got called up. And I remember being in Albuquerque and taking my ground balls and going to the outfield and thinking, geez, what would that be like to be called up to the big leagues? Because that is just, you know, the the dream from wiffle ball in the backyard and acting like you're in game seven of the World Series with your buddies and and playing all those wiffle ball games and all those summers and then going to all those tournaments and college baseball and you know, working your way through the minors. And here you are, you're on the doorstep and man, gosh, you know, how would I handle it? What, what would I do? How would I do, you know, am I a big leaguer? Can I be a big leaguer? Um, you know, yeah, but you know, I haven't been there yet. It's a big stage. And then, you know, a few weeks later, I get the call after the game, uh, Ron Modus calls your we're on the road. Calls your hotel room and says, "Hey, um, I just want to say congratulations. Uh, you're going to the big leagues." And I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> you know what does that mean? You know, like, am I prepared? Am I ready? You know, you get all these kind of little insecurities happening because it's such a big moment. Kind of, kind of fearful because of the unknown, um, but excited too because you know I, I've I wanted this moment. Um, and then the next thing, you know, you're sitting in first class, like don't do that a lot. You know, my first plane ride was, I would think I was 13. So here I'm first class. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, can I get those peanuts? And can I get extra peanuts? You know, I'm putting them in my pocket, you know, maybe can eat them on the bench with my gum and Gatorade? And so, um, yeah, it was a thrilling moment. Get off the plane, but, at that time, when I got the call, you know, I, you, I called my mom and dad right away, you know, and just told them. And sure enough, which is crazy, is we're we're just so happy to be playing in, uh, going to be playing in Wrigley, and you know, my whole life growing up in St. Louis, you get WGN, um, uh, seeing that field, uh, watching Mark Grace, you know, watching all these guys, all you know, growing up all the time and uh, uh man uh, they get a chance then to be at my game uh whether I'm playing or not uh just to be there that I'm in the big leagues and uh that was you know it was surreal and and sure enough as I'm as I'm walking into the stadium and and uh you know it's it's like a cathedral and it would, I've never had been there before, and it's like unbelievable. And then you get the that that beer smell, walking to your the entrance of your locker and or the locker room, and it was just a, a thrilling moment. It's just indescribable,
1: Billy. It's amazing because uh, I think every player that goes to cathedrals like that, like Wrigley Field, even if you're not an old school type of player. We always hear old school, new school, the beautiful stadiums nowadays. But when you walk up through those hallways and the impact that so many players and so many unbelievable players took those same steps as you did, and also walking up those stairs and seeing the Ivy, seeing Wrigley Field for the first time, what was that moment like for you? And and, and did it have that impact of solidifying what, the journey was for you?
2: It was, it was, um, I felt as special as I've ever felt. Like I, I felt like, um, this is where I want to be. And I, um, you know, again, from where I came from and not thinking I was ever going to be there, just, you know, we always talk, joke around trying to play, 162 games in my body of 5'10", 180 or 175. You know, it's like it's just it, just a, an incredible feat to to get to get there or to think you can even get there. It's just incredibly hard, and to to walk into something as nostalgic as that uh, from my first experience was really special. Really, I was super appreciative and super humbled to. Be thinking like all these ball players that have have run across this field and it was and by the way, at the time it was a terrible field. <laughs> yeah. And then this yeah. horrible crown and the grass was like thick as your backyard. Luckily I had that exp- I could handle that already because it was like my backyard in St. Louis. So <laughs> they've upgraded that, believe me, by by now. But um it, yeah, it was just um it was really a, a fabulous time and I just I just didn't want to let it go. I didn't want to ever go back down to the minor leagues. You know what I mean? So I, I wanted to keep that and and uh, stay there forever. But yep. to, to answer your question, Swing Dog, was that my defining moment? It's kind of one of those things, like I said, I never drank the Kool-Aid. Um, I always took the approach is you never arrive. So yep. I, I was like, you know, you always got to prove yourself. And every year that I was in the big leagues, I never – uh, I always came in there and said, I'm going to win this job. I always approached it the same. I never um, changed my mindset. I always worked as hard as I could in the, in the offseason. And, uh, you know, I just never wanted to, like I said, leave. I wanted to stay there forever.
1: I think a lot of us uh, that knew you uh, respected that ability that you had. Um, Major League Beginnings is about first. Uh, your first game is April 18th, 1996. The next day is your first hit. Take us into the box for that.
2: Yeah, it was great. It, it, my first step at bat, I was, I walked, I got to the on deck circle, it was like the seventh inning and I looked at home plate to where, where the brick wall was. And I was like, damn, that's short on TV. It looks like it's <laughs> forever behind there. I'm like, man, that's tiny. You know, I'm like, <laughs> Holy cow, this is weird. So, and then being in the box and looking out there is like so surreal it was like, I'm looking out at the batter's eye and the stands, the fans. And I was like, that doesn't look the same, you know, like on TV. And it was just enormous. And, you know, you, you can lock in on that batter's eye. I was seeing everything out there. I was like, God, I was like stepping out of the box, like, you know, bull Durham. Is are thinking about all these things in your head? And I was like, so, you know, the at first at I line out, which is great. I was just happy to put the ball in play. It was, you know, nervous as hell. And then the next day, you know, it was like, all right, you know, if things started to the honeymoon was starting to kind of be over a little bit, got the same experience. So, um, and one of the things too in Wrigley is they don't have batting cages. So it's not like you can prepare yourself for that at bat, right? You're sitting in the, in the dugout, eating your, eating your, uh, seeds and gum and, And the next thing you know, you know, you're kind of playing along with the game. But, you know, my first experience, I was just like, oh, my God, look at the cleats on that guy. Or, oh, my God, look (laughs) at the batting gloves. You know, I was just like seeing all the other details of, you know, part of the game. So the next day I started to calm down a lot and, you know, kind of feed in, watch the game a little bit more in a sense of, hey, it could be hitting here or whatever. And Dusty was great about, you know, if you got called up, they tried to get you in right away to, you know, break the ice, you know, like not let you sit there very long just to stew, you know, to think about all these things. And, um, that was great. And, 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 and believe me, I try and, and relay that to anybody. If I'm at a big league levels, you know, get those guys in there as fast as possible, get those guys, you know, get them in the, in the fire so they don't have to think. And, uh, so the next day I get in there about the same time, seventh inning, And it, and, and like I said, Wrigley doesn't have batting cage. So it's not like you can go in there and hit for a couple of innings, get warm, get a sweat, get heated, um, and get prepared. And so it's you're cold turkey. You're running onto that on deck circle, taking your four or five swings because you don't want the umpire to get upset that shaking too long because you're going in and pinch it. So um, I get in there, and uh, sure enough, you know, I grind out a good at bat. Always been a good hand eye guy. Got a nice uh, little liner over the uh, shortstop's head, and uh, got the first base. And Mark Grace said, "Hey, buddy, that's one of uh, two thousand, and congratulations!" <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, that's pretty awesome. Hey, way to go, Mark! You know, thank you. <laughs> I love watching you on TV, man. You know? <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like I'm at all like this dude's like, wow, well, I'm standing next to Mark Grace. Hey, you're taller than I thought. You know." Like, <laughs> So, but the kicker of this whole thing is after the game, you know, Dusty calls me in the office and, hey, congratulations, all that. And I'm like, hi, Isaac, hi. he's like, hey, uh, we've got some bad news. We're going to have to send you down. But here's the thing is uh, we want you to hang around. So what that means is uh, tomorrow come to the field, take BP, do your workout, all that. But after BP and all that, I want you to jump in the shower and you can't be in the dugout or in the clubhouse. So literally, (laughs) I am high as a kite the the day before, you know, go out with my parents that night, have a beer, you know, whatever. They tell me you can't be a part of the team the next day. I am sitting in the stands next to my mom and dad again, (laughs) It's the forefront of what's going to happen in the World Series, right? Sitting next to my mom and dad trying to tell some fan next to me, you know, yeah, hey, I'm a big leaguer, got a big hit yesterday, but I'm sitting in the stands right now, you know, semi-pro. You know? But, uh, you know, and so I had a fly, I, which was cool. I flew back with the team because what was happening was – uh. Robbie Thompson was coming off the DL. They didn't know about his groin. They were going to let him play that game if he had residual, like, it had some effects. You know, it was tight after the game or whatever. They just reactivated me, and yet, unfortunately, you know. But I got to go on the big league plane and have a big league meal spread, and you know, have some beers and sit with the guys, you know, and see the whole thing. Again, rookies had to sit up at the front, so I could only see the guys when I went to the restroom, but it was cool. <laughs> you, know, it was, you know, I had to stay turned around and not look at anybody, but it was, it was fun.
0: You got that back to the big leagues. Big you did get back to the big leagues, though, in July. You ended up playing 55 games that year. You're hitting over 300. Uh, a big moment, I think, for all the guys we talked to on this is getting the chance to see uh, their face immortalized for the first time at the big league level. Your rookie card. That's a big deal for a lot of players. What was it
2: like for you? Uh, a tremendous, you know, amazing. Again, it's it's uh, surreal. Uh, collecting cards as a kid, and then uh, then you have your own. It's it's like a bobblehead, you know. It's just uh, a really great feeling. I feel like my second card came out. I was sitting in the dugout, or I was in the dugout, and I was like, "Come on, man! You know, like, please!" I mean, I just had me like. Tripping over first base or being on the field or something. I'm in the dugout. I'm like, I know I spent a lot of time there, but it, it, you know, get me out there, you know, let me shake hands after the game or something. Give me that card. But, but uh, yeah, a, a tremendous, um, you know, I'm still signing the, uh, those cards today just because uh, I'm so appreciative and I, I'm, uh, I love them. And uh, I wish I had more just because they're really super cool. Um, I'm, I'm, I really love them, you know. I love those situ. I, 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 you know, after that, all of some of them were action shots. Some of them they they came out with some crazy funky stuff, and you know, still that to this day, every now and again, when I'm signing autographs, I'll flip it over and look on the back and and reminisce on you know, God dang it, I can't believe I walked a hundred times in in high A ball that year. What a season that was, you know. And and uh, you know, it's a it's a good feeling. It's it's you know, you earned it so billy both of us um went through the game and and we played with
1: stars uh we played with the elite and and sometimes you step away and you go man i can't believe i'm on the same team as he i can't believe i'm playing against this guy to me aussie smith uh um tony Gwynn, those guys stick out you already talked about mark grace uh elite players in your mind um who was the best player that you played with or played against
2: Man, played with or played. Well, I'll stack them up. Um, I hit in front of Barry Bonds. I hit in front of Manny Ramirez. And I hit in front of Sammy Sosa. And I would say as far as eliteness on hitting, you know, you get Barry and Manny. You know, Sammy's probably a, a close second, third. But their work ethic and their ability to perform at that highest level in the middle of the order. Uh, It's, it's probably those three guys of seeing that performance on a daily basis is thrilling. Um, It's great to be kind of tied into that because it's kind of funny. It's like you used to steal some bases, you know, minor leagues and, you know, college, whatever. And then I, I get to the big leagues and hit in front of them. And they're like, "Hey, don't even take a lead," <laughs> 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 because those guys are hitting homers and doubles and tri- you know it's like, "Hey, don't mess with them."
0: <laughs> and it was good
2: by me because you know at that time I was I was getting slower, but um, yeah, it, it's just their their ability to master their talent as well as they did was incredible to watch uh, on a daily basis. I and and, and then seeing the other the other players out there at the time, you know, the Rollins of the world, because I, I focused a lot of the third basements, but um, you know, it's just, it's just a hard, it's such a hard game. And it's seeing those guys do it. there at the highest level every year. And, 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 and to, it's just, it's just incredible. And it really, all those guys are elite. Uh, those three stick out most just because I, was seeing them on a daily basis. Whether I was sitting on a bench or on base, watching them perform, but those three guys were uh, were were fabulous guys. Bill, when it, you're talking Manny, Ramir-
0: when you're talking Manny Ramirez, it, it, I think everybody listening, especially everyone in Boston, remembers uh, 2003. I mean, it was a great year for you all the way around. But on that personal note, you win the batting title in the American League. You hit 326 that year, and you edge out. Manny Ramirez, and it really comes down to almost that last week of the season. What do you remember about the chase and what was it like between you and Manny? Was it playful? Was it highly competitive? What was it about?
2: Yeah, I would say up until the last day, um, I was kind of not really trying to focus or think about that. And Manny, you know, being as, as elusive as he was, he was kind of doing his own thing. But I think our main focus at that time, which was which was great, was we were fighting for that wild card spot. And it came down to the second to last day to get that wild card. So what happened is we get that wild card on the second to last day of the, of the season. And we're in Tampa Bay and we're walking up. The dugout to our locker room is this like 46 step uh, uphill climb. It's like the old Minnesota stadium. <laughs> yeah, And as we're going up the steps... Um Manny taps me on the back and he's like, Hey Big Bear. And I'm like, you know, I never questioned why he called me Big Bear, and I never asked <laughs> because I'm 5'10. So anytime big is in front of any kind of nickname that's kind of masculine, <laughs> I kind of just go with it. So he taps me, and he's like, Hey, big bear. And I'm like, Yeah. He's like, Hey, I want you to win the title tomorrow. I'm not playing. I want you to do it. And I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, wow, that's incredible, man. And he like. That's out of nowhere, you know, and I didn't even know he was thinking about it. I wouldn't even get there yet because if I started thinking about it, I would have fell apart, you know, I would have been broken like cheap lawn furniture, you know so i'm um, I'm thinking, holy cow what 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 just happened? you know he's got incentives, probably you know uh, God knows what what he gets for winning it, and you know I don't have any I'm just <laughs> shooting for it, so uh you know it, what was really cool is. That, ne- that night, as he says, I'm not playing, uh, Grady and Jerry Naron says, hey, meet me at the hotel bar. Let's talk about this. So I-, I go down there and we start discussing all the different scenarios because Jeter now is the next man up for the race. And he has less games played, less at-bats. So a hit for him propels him over my number. And yet if, you know, he goes over, then it's going to take a few more. And then how do I handle my situation? Do I play? Do I not play? So at the end, as we get up from the bar, we decide I'm not going to play because they play 45 or 40 minutes in front of us. So the next day I am sitting in the clubhouse managers. Uh, little uh, office got the Yankee game on. And after every at bat of Jeter, I run down all those dang steps. I, I prop up next to Grady little and I'm like, Hey, Oh, for one. And then run back up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. And then I run back down. Oh, for two, and I run back up, run back down. He tried to bunt Oh, for three, you know? So I'm going through these scenarios because you know, I can't handle that, you know, like, and sure enough. So the kicker of the whole thing is I have an incentive for like, uh, uh so much money for one more plate appearance. So I am thinking, so the night before, which is cool steel and in the, the front office, they come to me and say, Hey, we'll accept if you don't take it at bat tomorrow, because we understand the situation will accept and give you your incentive. But you know, in my mind the next day I kind of still want to solidify it because you know, it, anything can happen, right? But it's super cool. They it, and so sure enough Jeter goes 0 for 4, no chance if I get one at bat and something you know, if I don't get a hit, I'm still the winner, I'm still above Manny. And so I remember going in there For my bat, and my knees are shaking. And here I am, the American League batting champion. The guy throws me like a first pitch. I am like out of my mind, can't concentrate. I pop it up to the pitcher, you know, like, (laughs) hey, what a great stud hitting guy this is, you know? And I'm like, oh, God, thank goodness it's over, you know? And then, uh, you know, I get the champagne. I think Wakefield put a, you know, a, a bottle in there. He was always great stuff like that. And then once we flew into, um, I think we went to Oakland or something that next night or whatever. Grady, uh, had uh, Grady and Jerry, uh, Neron took me out to dinner like this little sushi place where the boats go around and they brought in a bottle of champagne for me. And, uh, And congratulated me. It was really cool. Those guys are great guys.
1: What a great story! Uh, I mean, to to culminate uh, that in there, and (laughs) plus plus the pop up though, it wasn't traveling to center (laughs) that night, so it's it's fine. It's (laughs) absolutely fine. I I love that, Billy. An interesting aspect that I think a lot of uh, listeners don't understand is that you have a choice of a bat model. And and the reason why I asked this is what did you use and did you maintain that through your whole career? And did you use it the year that you had won the batting title?
2: Yeah. It, it, bats are funny. Uh, great question because I started with the C two seventy one. Uh, it's like a thinner handle, thinner, thinner barrel. And you get really, um uh, quirky with your bats just because, uh, you know, it it helps your confidence. Sometimes you tie your confidence into how your bat feels. And let me tell you, uh, it's real, you know. And so I would say at the beginning, you get four models to choose from in the minor leagues. You know, it's not like now where, you know, you get bat companies all over the place. So back in the day, you get the P72, you got a, Uh, M-151, you you get these weird models. And so what fit me best at the time that I could handle, I was a hand-eye, like I said, was the C-271. So I never wavered from that. I used it both sides of the plate, uh, tried to keep things simple, keep things the same. But as I moved into um, the Boston Red Sox, and I used to watch... I would flip flop back and forth. And again, batting title. I won that batting title hitting in that lineup in the eight hole. I Mm -hmm. might be the only guy that's ever won a batting title in the eight hole too. again, not drinking the Kool-Aid and being humble. I mean, who wins a batting title in the eight hole, (laughs) but uh, Todd Walker was hitting second that year a little bit. And so I would watch his at bats and watching over and over Again, I was watching his approach and how they pitch him and and him hitting left-handed. and So I realized, I'm like, man, he's got a big head on his bat. I'm like, wonder, he's about the same size as me. Why can't I do that? So yep. there it is. I start trying to BP his model, uh, C243. It's got a bigger head, a little bit yep. bigger handle on it. Um, and at times it could be a little bit more um, – top heavy, meaning you feel the barrel more. And then at times you'll get in your pack, you get a 12 pack. Once you get to the big leagues, you'll get a 12 pack of bats and you can get them cupped. You can get them not cupped. And sometimes the, the more cup you get, uh, the more balance you feel. And so sometimes through the year, I didn't want to feel that, uh, non cup because the the barrel would drag a little bit more i'd get a little bit more tired playing in the humidity and the heat mm-hmm. so then you know i I'd, I'd go to my cup series and a little bit more balanced and sure enough it it was tremendous i had a little bit more head i feel like i had a little bit more um you know uh drive or and it up my confidence and so i i changed my model halfway through well 96 i started 04 03 i i changed but what's funny is when I hit those grand slams in the um in 03, I think, um the Hall of Fame came to my locker after the game and said, Hey, we'd love to have those bats for the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, Yeah, no problem. Uh, give me one second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know what happened. Yep. <laughs> they got different bats. Those bats still had had hits in them. I ain't giving away the hits yet. Yeah. Uh so uh you know I it, it, yes they're from the the batch of bats but <laughs> the official bats are still yeah. they, they were still being used.
1: They were still being <laughs> hot. Uh, let, yeah. Let's take uh, Billy let's take us to uh in 2003 uh, on that date July ninth, 2003 at Texas. And why I bring that up you had 85 career homers a switch hitter uh, you had three that day. You guys were down 2 nothing, and you hit a solo homer against R.A. Dickey, the starting pitcher. Then you, in the seventh inning, have bases loaded. You go against your teammate, Aaron Fultz, and you take it to left, right-handed, you take it to left. Then in the eighth inning, the following inning, you have bases loaded again, and you drill a Jay Powell two-out home- grand slam. And it, it, <laughs> I'm watching you running around the bases, and again, it goes back to that that moment you had when you drove in Dave Roberts. You're chewing gum. Your your home run trot is almost brutal. I mean, it's it, you don't it's even bad. know what's going it's on. Horrible. And you just hit three homers, two grand slams, two I mean, one from both sides of the plate. No one's ever done that. And that moment you come in, what was that like for you? I mean, was that did
2: you did you play the lottery that night? Yeah, you know. Uh, I- What's funny is I never finished that, that part of the question that you asked, probably because I forgot, but, (laughs) um, you know, I just, it's just so hard to, to let it go. You know, (laughs) I just couldn't let it go. I I just, I I just had a hard time of just being in that moment, you know, and, uh, I should have done a lot better. You know, I should have soaked it in a, a lot more. And that's my fault, really. You know, I just, I was just, uh, it was just, I was just uh, insecure. I guess that's the insecurity coming out on me. But uh, that night is really funny because R.A. Dickey, R.A. Dickey ended up being a knuckleball guy. Yeah. And um, uh, it, it, in the minor leagues and facing him before, he always, he wasn't a knuckleball guy at the time. He's like fastball slider, you know, uh, change up. And he always used to bury me in and get me out because that my kind of one of my weaknesses or holes was in uh, late in the count. And so sure enough, um, I was like, gosh, I know he's going to try and get me in. So I leaked. I'm like, man, I got to cheat. I got to get there. And sure enough, I got it. And it was the probably one of the very f- few hits I got off of him before he went knuckle and uh, hit a homer. And I'm like, holy cow, I finally got one. But before the game, we're in BP and you know, the teams transition on and off the field and Fultz is running in from left field. He was shagging. Um, and Fultz, Marabelli, and myself, we had all played in the giants organization together in the minor leagues. So we we're all saying our hellos and talking, small talk, how's your golf game, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> and as Fultz is leaving, Marabelli turns to me. And is like, Oh, that Fultz, he loves that three, one changeup. <sighs> He loves that thing. You know, I'm not thinking anything of it because he's just kind of mumbling and he's like, you know, talking, you know, catcher talk, and so you know that. Uh, sure enough, here I am, three one. I'm like, that's the mother sucker. Here comes to change up, bam. You know, get it, and so then my my third at bat, Jay Paul. I've been facing against him forever. I mean, he's got this heavy sinker baller. Yep. I was never told to work underneath the ball. I was always told to get on top. And, dude, I hit 87,000 ground ball outs. You know, I was like, <laughs> that's not working, you know? So, um, again, I'm trying to beat beat him to the spot, thinking he's going to throw me another sinker. He's throwing me a zillion. I've never really had any success off this guy. And he throws me a change up, and it's kind of like up-ish. Not not too much, but I get out in front, get underneath that thing, and ride it out. And again, um, it's a big, big moment, big, big night. And I tried to suppress it as much as possible because I'm like, you know, bottom line, I I just always wanted to help my teammates and just happy to that. I got to do my job, but I never embraced it as much as I should have uh, because that was like stupid, crazy night. I mean, and you know, it was awesome. Is ESPN was doing this crazy thing that night on a behind-the-scenes, what ESPN looks like behind the scenes. You know, yep. people talking, running around, all that. And that night was the night that it hit the Grand slams, And people were sprinting and doing all these, <laughs> he had another one! He hit another one! You know, they were, they were going crazy. And it was awesome to see that, you know, people reacting on ESPN.
0: 19 home
2: runs that year. That
0: was your that was your big power year, buddy. And, uh, you know, you win the batting title, as we mentioned, in 2003. To, you go to Cooperstown because of the Grand Slams. You send them, well, we'll call them real Cats. bats. Court. Yeah, you just send them bats. I mean, you're riding <laughs> the wave, Big Bear, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it still
2: feels good. Just keep it coming.
0: You know, in – I could, I could talk to you forever as Mark, and I could, you know, about 2003, but I want to take you to 2004 because, I mean, if you're going to dispel myths, so now we know about the bats. Let's talk about the, the way the narrative goes in Boston. Um, July 24, 2004, that's the night that uh, Jason Veritek, Alex Rodriguez, you get in a fight after uh, A-Rod's hit by Bronson Arroyo. We read a lot of crazy stories about that. And obviously, you go on to the magical years. We talked about you in the World Series, um, which, by the way, you walked off that game with a homer. But the question really is, how much of this is just romanticized and how much of that fight, your walk off, really fueled Boston internally from a clubhouse perspective and vaulted you guys into this wonderful 2004 finish?
2: Yeah, I think that's important. Because every, every season, there's kind of something significant that helps galvanize your group. And that kind of was a little bit for us. We're always using, you know, those teams that made the playoffs the year before or the Yankees as measuring sticks. You know, like, uh, where do we stack up? How, do, how, how are we this year? And I think from that 3 team to the 0-4 team, I felt like we felt like we were even a better team. Because, one, we had some experience. And, two, you know, we added some pieces that, that could even make us uh, a better group. And and at that moment of beating the, the giant, uh, you know, when all the chips are kind of down, um, again, puts us in a situation where it shows our resiliency, shows us that we are talented, shows that anybody can step up and people want to step up. And and make this, uh, you know, a winning group. And I think that was something, again, that came out of nowhere. Um, And, you you know, you beat the you beat both giants, the organization, the team itself, and you beat Mariano. And and that was a big moment for us. And, And I think that helped us say that at any one moment that we can beat one of the better teams in the game of baseball and at the time, maybe one of the best teams in baseball. And that's a good feeling, and that gives you confidence, and it gives you uh, um, momentum.
1: Billy, I'd love to get your take on this. Um, because of your success against Mariano Rivera and those exploits, the home run, the, the hit driving in Dave Roberts, you're known as the Rivera Slayer, which I think is interesting. It's not Big Bear, but it's the Rivera Slayer. Slayer, Yeah, there again, Slayer, I'm in. And you, and you also, and I think both closers – um, in their era was Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, and why I bring both of them up because they're, they're the awards now uh, for the best relievers in the game. You faced both of them. Um, what was that like? And just compare the uh, the both if you could. Well,
2: I would say that both went in with against me personally. Their strengths were better than my strengths, and so it was more of a survival, uh, technique than it was, uh, ability technique. You know, like I wasn't going to overwhelm them or overpower them. Um, and at the time when I faced Hoffman, I was, I had a different hitting philosophy. I was a bit of a spinner and, you know, I couldn't handle that nasty change up and my hitting philosophy was kind of a disaster. So he could, absolutely uh destroying me and he did and it, it was amazing like his ability to throw that his his best pitch at any moment and even change speeds and the location is just ridiculous and and handle those moments it's just like stone cold and then mariano the ability to throw that cutter and dominate again on a nightly basis the toughest three outs in the game, the last three, it's just, it's just incredible. But my hitting philosophy had changed uh, uh, from uh, working with Jeff Pentland and Chicago and then improving on that. So um, anytime you go in those, those situations against those guys, you're just trying to hit their mistake if they throw one and a uh, Hoffman rare and Mariano rare. So I would go back to Mariano just because our team, I felt like over a two year process had given him really good at bat. So he was doing things a little bit differently than his normal script. When you watch him against another team, throw seven pitches and, and, you know, walk to the dugout and be on the bus in 45. So he started doing more backdoor cutters and doing things outside of just staying in, in, in all the time to us lefties. And, and so, With that regard, it was more of a cumulative, a team thing that helped me uh, have a little bit of success because he went off script a little bit more against us. And what happened was those balls where I hit that ball up the middle uh, to tie the game was out over the plate and the homer that I hit to win the game was out over the plate. Again, things more about trying to backdoor that slider to open up the plate for him but he didn't have that type of command like he did in and that's was the difference so it was a team thing more than a me thing
1: when you think of it billy uh your your career takes you at, at the end uh to, Do- to the dodgers um because of injuries and and it's really not an aspect that you want to dive into but ends your career and you're you're starting to figure out what's next for you um, with all of the people that you have mentioned that have helped you along the way, take you into uh, the front office, coaching, um, a hitting coach. There's a lot of aspects that you dove into because you wanted to give back to the game. We even worked together in the front office as special uh, assistants to the GM. What's next for you? Um, you're, you're out of the game uh, currently. What's next for you and, and what Bill Miller wants to do um, the rest of his life?
2: Yeah, I'd still love to be back in the game and be a hitting coach, uh, be an assistant hitting coach, um, whatever it takes, uh, just because I love being in the, in the engine room. I love helping. I love bringing solutions. Um, I love that aspect of helping uh, impact on a nightly basis. Um, I like seeing progress with uh, teaching and seeing guys improve over a period of time. And that's what I still am doing in a sense, uh, not at the major league level, uh, around here at Hamilton High School in Arizona, working, uh, working there, working with uh, college kids uh, that come back home. And, and uh, so, yeah, I still want to, uh, I love that aspect. I feel like that's my, my sweet spot is the hitting stuff. And I still want to help people and uh, be a part of that.
1: I think for our listeners, uh, they need to hear this. I mean, it's one of these things that I think uh, um, I always remember because at the end of my career, I come over to the Dodgers and uh, you stop playing, but you were also thrown into a role where you were coaching. So at Dodger Stadium, we go down the left field and I'm doing my soft toss routine. And young Bill Miller, uh, as a coach, decides to soft toss to me. And it was a struggle, to say the least. I don't know if uh, you remember those first few tosses. One maybe hit the ground before it got to me. Um, And you're asking to be back in a dugout to be assistant coach. How has your evolution of soft toss uh, been, and where are you at? Because that day, uh, I don't know if you remember, it was somewhat of a struggle.
2: It was horrible. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I mean, I think I might have hit you a couple three times. I mean, it was terrible. I wanted to get hit. I, I think I had to go left-handed. I, I mean it was just terrible. I think I had to walk away and, and, and yeah, it was bad. It's it really proof, but <laughs> that's the that's the thing. You know, I think that's the whole part of the front office thing too, was I always wanted to get into something that made me uncomfortable to do something I've never done before. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that was yep. it. But in the front office stuff, when we worked together, it was either scouting or working player development. It was getting into aspects that, um, you know, that to broaden your horizons a little bit. And that's what I always tried to do. But I, I've been very fortunate over a period of time of running into great baseball hitting minds, you know, like the, the Jeff Pentland's yep. the John Mabry's the Mike Brumley's to help me enhance and improve and broaden my perspective to be, have multiple ways and, of physically helping or verbally helping these guys, um, with instruction. And again, you got to break this thing down as, as elementary as possible. And, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been a, it's been a good process. It's been a long process, but, I love that. <laughs> He's still. <there. laughs> hey, Bill, here's the here's so one the thing good. I know. Uh, you know, I try and suppress is when I was hitting people soft tossing. So well, hey, here's, the, the, here's, here's the good, it good was news, the same though, thing guys. With the fungos. <laughs> say again, Mike.
0: I was to say here's the good news, though. You come back in the game as a hitting coach. You just hire yourself an assistant. Let them do the soft. Yeah. Tossing. Exactly. Yeah you're done (laughs) well Big Bear we really do appreciate the time (laughs) Big Bear Bill Miller he's a batting champ a World Series winner Silver Slugger winner mentioned in Cooperstown uh, contributor and donator of we'll call him Bats and he's a Red Sox hero and he's our guest on Major League Beginnings Bill once again thanks so much for the time thanks for having me thanks guys thanks Billy thanks so much for checking out major league beginnings. If you had as much fun as we did, we hope you'll go ahead and hit the subscribe button where you usually download your podcast from. It could be Apple podcasts, Google play Spotify, wherever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard and we'll see you next time.